0: Thank you for your many blessings. I pray, dear Heavenly Father, you'd bless. Hear the reading of this word. May we apply it to our hearts, our lives, Lord, and, and do that, that you would have us to do, to be able to share that, to grow and to learn. And Father God, to be the Christian that you would have us to be. I pray, dear Lord, that you would just bless in all that happens here tonight. And we'll be give, careful to give you the honor, the praise, and the glory for it all. For us in Jesus' name, amen and amen. How many people remember 1987? 1987 1987 I see some hands go up how many people was born during 1987 alive how was alive how many people was alive during night that was in the phrasing right it's all in the phrasing wow in 1987 the McKamey's uh, a gospel group sang a song and the name of the song was we're getting used to the dark now, I think about that song when when I when God laid this on my heart, that song written in 1987 had a powerful, powerful uh, outreach that, you know, we're getting used to the dark. The things that were going on in the world at that time, we were starting to get used to those things. And now here we fast forward to to uh, 2018, 2018, I'd say almost we already gotten used to the dark. As Christians and as churches, we see across our land have gotten used to the dark. Many serious questions I would ask about the role of the church today that the church is playing as I see all the things that are happening in our communities, all the things that are going on in the world. You kind of sit back and you say, what is the church doing? What is the church, the purpose of the church? We know the purpose of the church. Spreading the gospel, going out, preaching and teaching, edifying the saints. All the things that we're called to do. But we don't see that a lot. And I begin to wonder and I begin to think about the great danger that we all face now as a world because of getting used to the dark. Now, if we were to turn off all the lights in this room... And maybe those two windows weren't back there on the door. We were to turn off every light in this room, or and maybe you've done this at your house. You ever been in your bedroom with all the doors closed and it's nighttime, it's, it's past bedtime, we'll say. And you flip off that light and, and the lights in my bedroom kinda just gradually go out now. But once they go out, it's dark. In a lot of ways, it's pitch black. I believe in sometimes I've turned that light off And it's darker in my room than it is outside at night. But as I sit there and I gradually wait and over time, my eyes begin to adjust and I can start making out items in my bedroom. Maybe the jewelry cabinet that Terry has with the printer sitting up on top of it. I can start to make that out. Maybe there's something over there on the dresser that I think, yeah, I know what that is because I've seen it in the light. And then at at times, you know, how many times we in Georgia, we went without power because of a tornado or something like that. And you are sitting there and you're in your pitch black, but you're sitting in your living room and you begin to make out the face of one of your loved ones. That's in the room with you. Maybe just maybe your eyes are just good enough that you can get to a point where they accustom just right. And you can begin to read things, maybe read your Bible in the dark. What I find is. I've never been able to do the reading thing. My eyes won't adjust that good. But what I see is after so long, I get so used to that darkness. It becomes to a point that I'm acclimated and it's just like I'm functioning almost in a normal state. And I believe I see that in the world today, in the church today, that the church has, has allowed uh, the, whatever once bothered us is now the norm. And we look at it and we say, "Ah, oh, that's just normal now. That's just the way things are today. But what is a normal Christian life? When we look around today we see the world is so churchy and the church is so worldly you can't see where one begins and the other one ends and then the other one begins it's all just one big blur nowadays because we've gotten so used to it being so dark we can't tell where the world ends the church begins we we, we, we people say we've well that happened because we had to change the message we had to change the songs We've had to change the methods, you know. And I don't believe in everything that I do in church or the way we do church here at Faith Baptist Church. That way that we do things, that's not sacred. You don't have to do it that way. We might come in here and preach first and then sing, which that's never happened either, because once the preacher's done, church is over, right? But we may not do that. And those ways may not be sacred. But some things you just can't change. And we've seen that change over time from the message of God that comes from the church. It's no longer as powerful as it used to be. Because we've taken and watered it down so not to offend someone. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand on this one. But I will ask you to think just for a moment. Was there ever a time that you did not speak the truth of the Word of God because you didn't want to hurt someone's feelings. I stand before you guilty. I've been there. I've done that. I've thought, well, I'm just going to push them further away from God. Well, I've come to a conclusion. If they're lost, they can't get any further away from God. If they're lost, that's it. So we got to see that there's reasons that I really and truly believe. Oh, let me say that. You know, we might just have a revival in this community if we would get past the mind frame of, well, that's the way we've always done church. So I don't think anything we do is sacred and and we could change things and it be for the benefit and the glory of God. But one thing that I know we can't change and we see it throughout the land is the gospel is no longer preached. I don't know about you, but I've been to churches where you never heard the word Jesus. I've been in a church when we were looking not too, too long ago. I was in a church where you didn't you didn't hear about the blood. There's churches that come on TV all the time now that just want to tell you how great you are and that nothing you can do is, is going to change anything. We cannot change the message here at Faith Baptist Church. The message can't change. But furthermore, when you go out and deliver the message to your loved ones, to your co-workers, when you go out and deliver the message to a complete stranger, you can't change the message. Because when the message gets changed, it disarms the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit can't work and affect the life of change. Because only the Holy Spirit can bring forth that. And it comes from the message of Jesus Christ, His death, His burial, His resurrection. The blood of Jesus Christ. The message cannot change. I know that I've read that many preachers spend 30 to 40 hours a week. Pastors spend 30 to 40 hours a week counseling, extra counseling for people. And I was talking to a few of the guys, of the men of the church, and I was like, you know, you realize what has happened is now the church has been become 90% psychology and 10% Bible. If you were just faithful to church every service, you would get all the counseling you would need in a week. We come to church three times a week. I get all the counseling that I need. I don't need to call someone for for extra counseling. And I'm not against counseling. People need extra counseling. But most of the time it's because they're not getting and they're not faithful to attend their church to a a word of, of, of truly preached gospel. When we see the churches that are overflowing... We see churches that are overflowing. And I'm not, I'm not ditching on mega churches. I wish we had 400 people here tonight. I do. But I'm not going to change the message so that we can have 400 people in here. I'm not going to change the message. And I know you're not either. But in the world, we see that if we're not careful, we can be tempted as we get used to the dark. I know I'm not alone in thinking from time to time that, oh, man. Things just ain't going to change. It's going to keep getting worse. There's nothing I can do. Here we go. I I guess I'm just going to have to deal with it. It is what it is. How many people said that last week? It is what it is. See, that's where we get in. We're getting used to the dark. Even just a small phrase of it is what it is. Kind of is a tell all about where we are. And we're getting used to this darkness. Preaching is definitely a tool. The tool that God gave to get the gospel out. And through preaching, hearts and and souls are convicted. The Holy Spirit is able to move and it's effective, but the gospel message must not change. Satan, I I, I will tell you, Satan delights in today's churches because they are, like I said, 90% psychology, 10% Bible. And Satan delights in that. Not only has, has the gospel been failed to be preached, but you think about the songs that are, that are out there today. And I don't have a problem with, with music in general. But many times you find that we got to change the way we sing songs or we're not going to reach those certain people. But it's not just the changing of the song and, and how the song is sang. Because when Brother John and Sister Melissa came to, to Faith Baptist Church, our song service changed It changed. It changed for the better, though. Right, Brother Dan? It changed for the better. I was used to singing Amazing Grace. Amazing Grace. We don't sing it like that no more. We sing it, amazing grace. We sped it up. We put some life into it. But we're singing still a song that I believe was ordained by God. Just like the Bible has been a divine revelation of words to give to us, some people wrote down some songs in times that God inspired on their heart and those songs reach out and they're just like the preaching. They begin to convict and they begin to convince people of their sin and their need for a God. I heard a preacher one time call today's music and I giggled. I'm going to go ahead and tell you. I giggled. He called them 7-Eleven songs. Songs with seven words you sing 11 times. And I giggled. I really giggled. And, and you know, but there's no, I don't know what I'm not saying there's no, but there's rarely any effectiveness that comes from a song with seven words you repeat 11 times. When you get into the old ship of Zion's and I've never been sorry's and amazing graces, those books, you flip through that book in the like 1900s and 1800s. And you think of a time when people called out on God. Because, you know, I, I hear my daddy tell stories about the church when he was growing up that you would hear the church seem like from miles away. Or you would hear even from miles over the road, somebody praying in their house. People truly called on God. They didn't have a watered down religion, a watered down Christian, a watered down faith. What they had was a true faith, a true calling in God. And they may have been singing those songs. Many of you may remember your mother or your grandmother or her grandfather singing those songs as you were a child. And those songs are still around today. The songs should be just as convicting and convincing as the preached word. And I'm saying new songs, they're not bad. They're not unscriptural. It doesn't mean that they don't have their place. What I'm saying is, is it must be full of the gospel. It must be full of the gospel. And one of the biggest problems when I read this verse, uh, but if thine eye be evil, thy body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness. And there's an exclamation point here. It says, how great is that darkness? How great is that darkness? We sat up here Saturday morning and we spoke a little bit about going into a room and flipping on the light. What happens? What happens when you go into a dark room and turn on the light? The darkness goes away. When we turn that light off, the darkness returns. The absence of light. And that's what we find in the churches and even in our, in our own temples here that God gave us, we find that there is a darkness. It says here, if therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is is that darkness? It's like Jesus said, "You don't take your, your candle and, and hide it under a bushel, but we've taken our candle and, and hid it under a bushel. What was it you told me the other day, uh, Aiden, about seeing a candle from how far away? He don't forgot, I don't forgot. So you can light a candle and you can see it really far away. One little candle, and you can see that. My little candle, I got to take it out from under that covering and let it shine so that it can light the whole house. It can light the whole house. Christians now, though, what has happened is that light has grown dim because of our sense of sin has grown dim. What we think is sin, what we perceive as sin, what, we, what our preferences are, we want to we want to throw all of that sin today that we see today in, in, in our in our culture really has developed over a period of about 150 years. I mean, it's, it's proven that the laws of the land follow the actions of the people. We have abortion in 1973 because the people wanted abortion. We have legalization of marijuana in the states that we have legalization in now because of the people's actions and the people's wants. So they don't make laws that really govern us. We, make, we have laws made in our actions. So the laws follow the people. And over a period of 50 years, we just, just considered things to be sin that wasn't sin. And, and we've gotten away from a biblical definition of sin. The Bible is clear. God is very clear in his words of the sins that are there. And, and those things that we must be looking at, we've let dull down and we've had, oh, we've been distracted. Yes, we've been distracted. We've been distracted. I remember growing up. Maybe some of you remember growing up as well. It was a sin to have drums in a church. Anybody know that? It really wasn't. It was a preference of a pastor or a preference of a board of people on the church. There does there's no sin in drums. But what you see is we've taken things and we've been dulled down over little things. And now our sense of sin over greater things because, well, it's still on the law books in most states that adultery is punishable crime. Does anybody ever get punished for it? Nobody ever gets a lot. You don't ever read in the Bartow blotter such and such arrested on account of adultery. But the things that we see in the Bible, those things have been said, that's not sin anymore. But we're going to make having drums in the church sin again. World and church can't tell where one ends and one where where the other begins. Many people, it's based on their preferences, maybe even their grandma's preferences. I mean, we get a lot of sin that's passed down from grandma and grandpa. I'll tell you the story again of the, the young lady. I mean, she was she wanted to learn how to cook grandma's ham. And she said, "Mom, I want to learn how to cook grandma's ham. So they pick it up and they cut this chunk of it off and they set it over to the side and they put this pan in the oven and they cook it. While they're cooking the daughter, she's like, mama, why'd we cut that piece off? She said, uh, you'll have to ask your grandma. That's the way she taught me to do it. She taught me to cut it off and we get rid of that part. Okay, well, grandma, why do we do that? Well, that's how your great grandmother taught me how to do it. Let's call her to call up great grandma. and Great grandma says we didn't have an oven big enough to put the whole ham in. So we had to cut a piece of it off and set it off to the side. That's how those things get passed down. Now we got ovens that you can put a full meal in, but we still got people cutting chunks off and setting it over to the side. Our sense of sin has been diminished by the darkness. We've allowed the darkness to creep in. And we've allowed... Well, no wonder now, I think no wonder the world has this this profound and, and... Weird look when you say you're a believer, because they're saying a believer in what? Just what do you believe in? I can't see what you believe in. And that's where we need our sense of sin to be sharpened. Those things that we, we think are sin to go to the Bible. And let's not focus on our preferences. Let's focus on what the scripture actually says. There's an issue of right and wrong. And it's gotten very murky. It's gotten very murky. The world can't through us Christians. The world just can't see. I just can't pick out what's right and what's wrong. The darkness has crept in and we as Christians are getting used to the dark and we've got to be careful. See. The world now. They don't have a clear understanding of what is Bible and what is not. And and, you know, I chalk it up to to schisms, I guess you would. You have this church that believes this and this, then we got this denomination and this denomination, all because they had a little difference of, of what the Bible says. When the Bible's clear, the Bible's clear from the front to the back, we'll get to 2 Peter 1 and 20 in just a minute. It's clear from front to back. One thing I'm very proud of is when we go and we work out in the community, we work alongside with others. And there is no I am Methodist or I am Presbyterian or I am Baptist. There is here's Jesus. I want to share him with you. Because the doctrine of salvation is but one. And that's through Jesus Christ. So we... We must have our senses sharpened. We must create the light, let the light reflect in us that that creates a light that that dispels the darkness so that it is not so murky and so dingy. So the world can see what what is right and what is wrong. And, And as the Bible says, they can see our good works and glorify God in heaven. That was powerful this morning. Brother Mark saying the good works of the church, how the young man, young man said, you know what, dad, I'm going to choose God. But good works were seen and God was glorified through that dad coming to know Jesus Christ. We can be that same. You say, well, that only happens in China. No, that happens in Cartersville. Talk to Sister Christina about three weeks ago what God did for her. Talk to the others that have been presented the gospel and have accepted Jesus Christ. It happens in Kingston. It happens in Taylorsville. It happens in New Harley. It happens at 19A Quail Ridge Road where I live. It happens in our homes. It happens in schools. If we let our light shine so that the darkness is dispelled, the world can see clearly what we believe. And we can be a light. I grew up hearing this phrase. Maybe you've heard it. The Bible says it. I believe it. That settles it. I took one part of that quote out because one part don't belong. The Bible says it. That settles it. Whether I believe it or not. The Bible says it. That settles it. The Bible teaches us exactly what sin is. We don't get to interpret it. We don't get to. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 20, tells us clearly, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scripture is in, of any private interpretation. I've had this battle with people. Well, the Bible can be interpreted many different ways. No, it's not for you to interpret privately. It's not for me to interpret privately. The Bible says it that settles it. Our dislikes, our preferences. Must never must never cloud our lives so that sin is not clear. So that those that we are around can see clearly. With our light shining, we should never, ever allow ourselves to murk it up. So churches today. And and, and I say this with all love in my heart, because I love each and every one of you. I love your zeal for the Lord. But if we're not careful, guess where we'll slide to. We'll get used to the darkness. And it's getting dark outside tonight, so as you leave, look up on the church and see that cross now glowing once again. Once again, our cross on the church is the light in this community. And I praise God for you and what we will do together, but we've got to watch the darkness We will find ourselves getting used to it. We'll find ourselves wanting to change things, to remove some offensive things, so others will show up, so maybe the bank account will grow. There's many different reasons that that the message has changed. Many times it's just to have a number in the seat. But if we're not careful, the darkness will creep in on us. Our message will change. Our songs will change. Those that we sing making a joyful noise unto the Lord. And our sense of sin will change. And we'll be overcome by the darkness. But if an eye be evil... Thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? Father, thank you for the light of the world, Jesus Christ. Thank you for my salvation. Forgive me, Father, where I have failed you. Strengthen me. Give me courage. Give me boldness. Give me obedience to let my light shine. Not only mine, Father, but these that are gathered here. Father, I pray that we are receptive to that light. That the light would fill us and and that we would shine and, and uncover our light. That the world could see clearly what is right, what is wrong, what is good, what is you. Father, if there's one here tonight that doesn't know you in the free pardon of sin. Or one that's grown cold. As the pianist and and the song leader begin to prepare for this song. Father, I pray that they hastily step out, that they quickly step out dear Heavenly Father and come to this altar and pray. I thank you, Father, for your outstretched arms, welcoming each and every one of us into the marvelous light. That is your son, Jesus Christ. May we, Father. Continue to be sharp and not change our message, not change the song that you've placed within our heart. And, Father, that we would go to the Bible and we would know a sense of what sin is, Father, and that we would share that with the world. So there is no mistake. Father, we thank you and we praise you in Jesus name. Amen. And amen. Would you come tonight if you need to pray? Would you step out? Would you come?